Welcome to Fashion Futures Podcast. It's your host, Camila Sanders. And this season, we are discussing Africa. We're connecting with industry experts and individuals on the front lines to gain viable resources for your fashion journey. Together, we're working to take back fashion, shift power, shift economics, shift paradigms, and create a new sustainable ethical fashion system. Take a listen and let's accelerate fashion forward. We talked a lot about like learning from Africa. How do we learn from Africa? How do we communicate what is happening in Africa to so many different people globally and kind of use that as a best practice or just even to acknowledge the intellectual property that is in Africa and what is coming out of Africa. And I do also like, do not like talking about Africa as if it's a, you know, as if it's like just one country, because there's, there's so many different cultures and aspects uh, within Africa, but, you know, just to acknowledge that. Yes. But um, but how how do we how do we kind of get that word out or or help people to learn about Africa and what is happening okay. there? Sure, I think that if you're learning about Africa from a news channel or an organization or a foundation that has interests in the global north, that already should be a red flag because you know not to sort of say don't watch TV or don't give money for funding, but ask those questions, ask the the questions of who's on the board, you know, who's this sponsored by? When you say Africans, do you mean Africans in Africa or or African diaspora? Because as African as I feel talking to you now, when I go to Sudan with my light skin and my British accent, I'm seen as an outsider myself. And so going to my own home country, I learn from not wearing the Western brands because, you know, as conscious as I am of my privilege or the strengths of of the, you know, the pound or the dollar as how far that can stretch, I think there's humility in not staying in the hotels, in asking the local people. You know, my grandfather used to tell me that wherever you go in life, always ask about the price of bread and milk as a way to to gauge, uh, you know, like how people are living, you know, and it's those places that don't have McDonald's. They're not going to have coffee shops, you know, and it's not a sort of, oh, poor me, like, but, and I say this not, you know, because I, I do it all the time, like, oh my God, I, like, what do you mean I have to go this far for a cup of coffee? But, you know, yes, I'm going to have to, you know, it's made as a ritual. It takes sometimes an hour and a half <laughs> to grind the coffee and smell the coffee and make, you know, it's not everything is designed with this revolving door drive-through mentality, quick and shiny and big is not a good thing. The way the Middle East is moving so quickly is scary for climate change, for education, for values, for the older generation who've seen the world so simple and now it's all built up. And I use the Middle East because I'm Afro-Arab. And so I always talk to my African audiences or, or clients And I say, let's use the Middle East as a blueprint for what is possible. 
learning what to do with Africa, for Africa, we can learn from the Middle East and supersede and, you know, not make as many mistakes. You know, we, we can look at town planning and agriculture. And, you know, for the fashion community, I would say work and ask questions outside of your industry. Speak to farmers about recycling and where their waste goes and whether you can make something out of that. Go and ask about curriculums. There are so many countries that I'm lucky to visit where I know that the history, Black history, African history, is taught according to that country's relationship with the United Kingdom and America. And that's embarrassing for us. We need to undo that. But, you know, when we're writing the syllabus and writing these people's history, then we can't even pretend to care about their future because they're just going to get more of the same again and again. So, yeah, I, I would say step outside of the gated communities, step outside of the tour buses, step away from you know wearing the browns the the ticks and the stripes and all of these things that say I am from outside of this neighborhood and just mix with locals you know try and stay with a family instead of staying in a hotel and really ask about not just the cost of living but like what is this costing you my my really good cousin my really good cousin they're really good but she's a really good friend of mine and my cousin she's spent seven years trying to finish her university degree that actually is four years in length. But what happens is that there are demonstrations in Sudan. And so every summer her course gets suspended and then guess what? She has to pay the fees all over again. And so she's paid for, for her final year three times, three times. And then, you know, and I said, oh, my God, that's not fair. And she she smiles and she shrugs at me like, who are you going to tell? Like, which, which switchboard is there to call? Who? Who are you going to ask about the injustice of that? And then I said, oh, my God, go to this embassy, go to the embassy. And she says to me, the Americans themselves have problems paying off their student loans. We're lucky we don't have to pay as much as they do. So... Really, you know, we're all in this together and, and it's all, it's easy to kind of go, well, this is not fair and that's not fair. Well, I certainly spend a lot of my time talking about what's not fair, but I think that's the reality of it because otherwise, you know, I'm in my mid forties and, and I spent a lot of time in the wonderland of fashion and it is glamorous, it's beautiful, it's great to be invited, it's great to go to the after party. But when, when that's all said and done, and that's where I'm at in my life now, I feel a homecoming in, for my career and a homecoming to be drawn back to Africa and just ask, why has it taken so long? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a question. And I mean, you know, honestly, there's been so many good points in this conversation for someone to take and really dive deeper in and ask that question, why has it taken so long? And what can you do, not you particular, but whoever's listening, do as an individual in your sphere of, of influence to impact this and to 
learn and see what is actually going on versus listening to what, you know, the media says or, or your, you know, immediate sources might say and actually go to the community and see, you know, what is actually going on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially with Americans, again, there's a power in your position, in your position in, in the fashion industry, in the ecosystem, in terms of how loud a voice you can have, in order to sort of put pressure, but the world is waiting. If, if America is a superpower as it's proven itself to be in so many ways, then I feel there is an expectation, for lack of a better word, for America to get this lesson. And it hasn't. And, and it's the same for you know Europe as well. But you know, America consumes so much more. It has so much say and so much more power. And I think it's not it's not too much to ask that, you know, words like fast fashion, like I think those are like bad words, you know, like you know how you can't, for example, like the words fast fashion should be like spit those words out you know there should be shame there should be shame about a fashion house collaborating with a a fast fashion manufacturer there should be a discrediting of an influencer that has an elite following collaborating with like a reality star because yes, there's opportunities to learn, but there is so much misinformation. You know, do we like, for example, I'm thinking of a Kardashian that's recently collaborated with a fast fashion thing because, you know, she wants to educate people. And, and that's like, it's so derogatory. It's, it's about money, full stop for them. Is the industry trying to make fashion sustainable or is, is sustainability in fashion the conversation? It's, it's the wrong way round like sustainability should never be fashionable it's not it's not a trend it's a way of life just like being a a vegetarian or or being a christian or (laughs) it's it's not uh something that should be new to make a campaign driven strategy with a budget to spread the word out and it boggles my mind when i see these kind of collaborations because it's it's about algorithm and trending and, and, and being seen to be doing the right thing. And people who nowadays go towards sustainability or doing something that, you know, they want to be acknowledged for, most of the time it's a PR exercise for something else that they're trying to hide. And that's, I'm afraid, what I see from it. You should do the right thing when no one's looking. Exactly. I mean, a lot of that is greenwashing, right? And it's more about how can we look good to continue to make money, <laughs> right? Yes. You know, I completely agree with you. Sustainability is a way of life. It's not just a campaign or something that you temporarily do. Yeah. You know, I saw, I had a conversation with a a pioneering fashion summit 
in Europe. I'm not sure if I should mention them, but you probably know which one I'm talking about. And I said to them, why do you have four blonde women talking about fashion, but yet one person from Africa to talk about inclusion? Like you, your, <laughs> your concept of inclusion is lopsided because you're only including one. So how is that including? That's tokenism. Um, because the real inclusion is in you're including, <laughs> the, you know, this group of people, but it, you're just you have one African person to talk about whole continent, but yet you've got three people from London on your panel. It doesn't make sense. And I had to to call it out, not because of, you know, my preferences to any kind of gender or skin tone but you know to shock people with the truth the blunt truth is the only way and so they're like oh sorry you know oh it's just that we we don't have budget we don't, I'm like, you don't have budget do you know how much these people are paying how many how much these tickets are costing you know and then they have funding and I looked further into their funding and it turned out that even though there is sustainability kite mark in our industry they're taking money from a, a fast fashion manufacturer and their statistics are coming from the same law firm that that has benefits in more let's say more nylon and polyester <laughs> so the same people who want um, them to succeed benefit from from these conversations being had on their terms and they get to cherry pick and curate again what is trending and so I said you're you're this is you're not enabling anyone you're just gatekeeping and taking money off people so it's not from a certain person or a certain conference to look out for I think it's just gut instinct if if it doesn't feel right we don't need it we really don't need it. And we don't need any more pressures of deadlines of, you know, we, this needs to be done by 2030. Well, why can we not do this by 2023? Because we all, we, you know, the pandemic got everything to stop right there and then. Within three months, the global north shut down for a very, you know, for more than a, half a year, as far as I remember then what, what are we waiting for? Why are we waiting? <laughs> Why are we giving ourselves a procrastination period for another eight years before we put a pause button? Because we, we learned during the pandemic that we can stop by Friday if we have to. And we did. And no one, you know, there were a few fashion faux pas, a few too many hoodies down the road, <laughs> but, you know. I, I certainly uh, was wearing more elasticated uh, um, track suits and, and so forth. So, yeah, my tailoring literally went to pot and during that time. But, you know, but I survived. I gained a few pounds like lots of people did not wearing uh, my suits. But that's not a crime. It's not it's not the end of the world. It's OK. Yeah, you just described exactly why nothing has really shifted significantly, right? <laughs> because we have the same voices at the table that are, you know, frankly, like the loudest, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the same perspectives. And, you know, if you look behind the scenes or behind the curtain, it's one thing connecting to another, which is really just 
people making money <laughs> and and not that there's anything wrong with making money absolutely not but if that is the focus then you know it's like everyone's working together in the same system to make this money and kind of continue what they're doing in spite of the different conversations that happen and like you said like why why are we waiting like it's not if you really want to have a diverse panel then you can make the effort to do that. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. take years. It doesn't take, it just takes acknowledgement that, hey, you know, I want to change. I can shift and, and you make that drastic shift, but that's yeah. not what's happening. No, and it's all excuses. You know, I, I was talking to an art gallery the other week and they, and I said, why? <laughs> Like, where are the black people? Um, I literally say it like that, by the way. <laughs> they, they, and that's why I'm a consultant and I'm practically unemployable as permanent staff. And they said, oh, we have some internships and, you know, they're making this graduate scheme. And I said, well, why are they coming in from the bottom? Why are they coming in when they're like babies, not to sound derogatory, but, you know, why are they coming in for the least amount of pay and the, the least the, the quietest whisper of a, of a voice. I said, there are plenty of people of color who can do your job and can do the chief executive's job. Like why? We're not lost to be found. You know, for how long is Africa going to be this emerging economy and is emerging trends and emerging artists? Like we, when are we going to finish emerging? I was listening to Michelle Obama's audiobook and, and you know this idea of becoming I love it for the feeling of the best of us is yet to come but I worry that we're just going to keep emerging <laughs> when are we going to arrive you know I love the idea of a becoming of a blooming and a blossoming but people are using this mindset that we have of savoring and waiting and training and learning and certifying ourselves as you'll see so many of us black women you know very articulate very highly educated well traveled you know resourceful can stretch a budget stretch this and you know that it is our community that is what we do with our hair with our you know pocket money with our everything but yet you know when it comes to the decision making they will either pick one or two or they'll put many at junior level on and the notion is that you know we're being trained trained to do a job that we can do already without certification but we're doing the certification just <laughs> just so we have that paper right and it's still not enough for them to understand the African, you know, Picasso was influenced by Africa. They, again, you know, I can go on and on as you know, you, you know, I, I can learn from you, you probably know a million more examples of how so many Western trends and influences and, and icons had African influence. Actually, the first Paris Fashion Week was started by a black woman. So we don't need training. We don't need apprenticeships. You know, we we just we. <laughs> I'm done emerging. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I can remember several conversations that I was in and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we have these internships and it's just that we can't find people that are qualified. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> and and I think that definitely we need to be in these leadership positions so that we can make those decisions that are really critical for the industry and not having the same decisions that are made by the same people and really bring that influence in. And you do that in a leadership position, but not just a performative leadership position. Like I put you in a DEI position or I put you in a leadership Mm -hmm. position, but you really don't have any autonomy and we're going to tell you what to do. And, you know, (laughs) so, so it's, it's all performative and, You make a good point, right? When are we going to finish emerging? You know, you said earlier that everything is from Africa. From centuries ago, Africa influenced artists and continue to influence everything that happens in, in the global north, you know? And so we're not emerging. It's already here. We've been here the entire time we're here now, like it's, we're, it's now. Right. And so it's like, we don't have to wait. We can, we can act now. We can do things now. And I think that mm-hmm. that's like the, the point that, that, <laughs> that you, that we're driving home. Right. And this conversation is like, we yeah. can do things right now. We don't have to wait. Yeah, we, we are not emerging anymore. Or <laughs> we, no. we never, we were always here. <laughs> so we were always just here. acknowledging that is we did not land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth <laughs> <laughs> Rock landed on us. Yeah, right. We were here first, actually. And you know, whether archaeologically, um, historically, you know, check any satellite history book, whatever you want. The first civilization, you know, the dye that comes for the fashion industry. You know, when I was 11 or 12, I literally used to think that, you know, you would have, you know, Mr. Armani and, you know, uh, Valentino and, and, you know, a few of them would meet somewhere and agree that purple was the color. Because <laughs> I'm like, how do they know? Like, how do they do that? But, you know, all of these things have it's to do with economics. It's the dye, you know, mustard and purple. Where are these things coming from? They're coming from fruits and vegetables and harvests that are, are dictated by the global south. You know, when when you have pashminas being a trend, you're too young for this, but I'll tell you that there, at some point there was this thing about pashminas with some kind of thread of a mountain goat. And, and I'm like, gosh, what happened to that? And I'm like, oh, Afghanistan happened. (laughs) And, you know, and that's not funny, but I'm smiling because I'm like, how frivolous is that of me to, as well as keeping an eye, and I think I'm well informed with what's happening in the world, but it took me thinking, gosh, where can I get one of those pashminas I used to love? And you can't get them anymore because their prices have gone up so much because, you know, those mountain goats aren't there anymore because of wars you know so it's 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 all connected we can't work in silo anymore i think the environmental activists need to work with the the researchers the funding just throwing money at 
at something to do with Africa and then sitting back capitalizing on some brand that harms Africa is detrimental, that should be called out. And the counseling of culture shouldn't be in boycotting a brand, it should be in boycotting of values and ways that we call ourselves out. I got rid of my petrol guzzling car in the pandemic because I realized that I was, I've been a bit of a hypocrite. I'm walking, you know, around talking about sustainability and I'm wasting a lot of fuel with this thing, but it looks so nice and shiny, <laughs> but I got rid of it. And guess what? I'm reading a lot more on the bus and on the train. And it's again, you know, it's, I'm still standing. <laughs> I, I lived through it. It's not the worst. It's not uh, it might be a bit of a fashion faux pas, but it's not the worst at all. Yeah, like you said, it's a way of life. You know, it's about your values and what you believe. And that's what influences what you do on a regular basis. I mean, to me, the biggest takeaway from this is like, what can you do now? How can you act now? What can you do now? There's no reason to wait with every decision that you make you are impacting someone else and so what can you do now this conversation has been so great is there any like I almost don't want it to end (laughs) because I could talk to you like forever you're such a wealth of knowledge oh bless Um, you thank you so much I I could talk to you forever and I really appreciate you taking on something that isn't you know it's it's not shiny and sexy, right? This is the hard um, nitty gritty. These are the uncomfortable conversations we need to have. And and thank you for having them. And thank you for holding space. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Is there anything that that we didn't talk about <laughs> that maybe <laughs> that maybe um, we should or you want to leave with the audience to think about? I feel like we we talked about a lot, but I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm giving space for anything that uh, maybe we we didn't get to talk about yet. No, I just want to end with the fact that, you know, this is about identity and dignity and human rights. You know, we are very privileged to work in this beautiful industry of ours. And it is a wonderland and it is a conversational opener and it is fun. And, you know, we all want to be, you know, carried from sex in the city. But um, the truth of it is that whilst the more we have, somebody else is literally paying for for that. And I think we need to be conscious of that and not just ask what are we doing for, you know, for Africa, for our community, for sustainability, for climate change. It's almost as turning around the other side of the coin and saying, what am I not asking myself? And I think in that consciousness is going to be a new way of life and uh, we can just keep trying our best. And, you know, it's, it doesn't need to start on New Year's Eve of, you know, 2030. It can, the revolution can start now. We are the revolution. And in many ways, this is a, a mini revolution. Every time you have these conversations, even if one person is listening, then it matters. And, and we just need to keep 
keep having conversations like this and not wait for somebody else to have it for us or for us to see on Instagram. By the time it gets to Instagram, it's too late. Yes, we are the revolution. (laughs) We are. (laughs) I love that. Um, Yeah, so where can people follow you or just keep up with what you're doing? What's the the best uh, channel to do that? Um, I'm a little bit of a hermit in that way because um, <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my stuff is it's really not that exciting. Well, it is for me because I'm a geek, but I'm looking at art crime at the moment. So I'm looking at things like UNESCO making sure that they're protecting properties and, you know, African prints are being um, documented in terms of intellectual property. I'm looking at things like colonial waste dumping because lots of countries in the global north use Africa as a, a skip, basically, for lack of a better word. And, you know, that's causing obviously pain and disease in those areas. And so really, it's not a matter of I think me doing what I do, I'm I'm never going to trend in that way for anyone to see what I'm doing. I mean, anyone's welcome to kind of say hi on Instagram, but I just want your audience to know that there are people working behind the curtain, behind, you know, auditing factories, you know, the work that I do sometimes, I go undercover, you know, wearing headscarves and I go into areas where you know the it's quite interesting being Afro-Arab actually because one day I can wear a headscarf and I can be in an Asian environment to see how they're treating their garment workers and other days I can cornrow my hair and see how the African ecosystem is working and these are my privileges and my offset my my way to be seen is to every now and then duck my head out and say hi to amazing people like you on and have conversations like this. So I guess, you know, connect, say hi. If you have any questions on my Instagram, please do. But otherwise, yeah, it's uh, a watch the spot in terms of who, who gets audited, who gets called down next um, on the news. That That's the kind of geeky work. That's the way I show myself. Yeah, so I'm so happy to have the opportunity to catch up with you and just hear your perspective and have you have you come out and and talk about these things. And I appreciate you actually being on the ground and working toward a lot of these things, right? Because there's a lot of people that talk about it and it's great to have those conversations, but then like what is the work that we're doing? behind the scenes to actually move this, move things forward. So I really appreciate that. And we'll have to uh, have you back definitely to catch up with you again. <laughs> oh, you're too kind. Next time we should have a stopwatch for sure. Because uh, <laughs> I, know. I know. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah so <laughs> thank you thank so much. Thank um, you. Thank you. Speak again. Thanks for listening to Fashion Futurist Podcast. Let's take back fashion together. Like, subscribe, and share as these small actions help to spread the word and make a collaborative impact. For more ways to get involved, join me, Camila Sanders, in the Fashion Futurist community by visiting fashionfuturist.io. Let's take action and accelerate fashion forward.